Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to be interviewing a very, very successful young real estate entrepreneur based out of beautiful London, Ontario, Mr. Matt McKeever. Matt, how are you doing today? Thanks so much, Dave, for having me on the show. Really excited to be here. I appreciate you making the time and letting me come on. My pleasure, Matt. So for those folks that haven't seen your YouTube channel, and I think you've got like 50 or 60,000 YouTube subscribers last time I, I heard. Yeah. So you're definitely rocking and rolling with that. But for those folks that haven't heard about you or watched your YouTube show, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the whole crazy real estate thing in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I started investing myself personally in 2010, just with student rentals here in London, Ontario. The reason I focused on London, Ontario and student rentals was it was just the best cash flowing opportunities I was aware of at the time. So kind of jumped into that. And then to fast forward 2016, I quit my day job and started my YouTube channel just documenting my experience, my journey as a real estate investor. And the reason I really started doing that was there's tons of great information out there for free on the internet, but it all seemed to be very oriented towards Americans and their experiences. So I really wanted to kind of level the playing field for us Canadians and start creating Canadian-specific content. So now on my YouTube channel, I spend a lot of time just interviewing other real estate investors, breaking down their strategies, showing their exact properties and projects, and really diving deep into the numbers just to show that like this in my opinion, is achievable for anyone that's seriously focused on getting into real estate. Very, very cool. So Matt, you started out with student rentals. Is that still kind of your main bread and butter strategy these days? Yeah. So the first three properties I got were student rentals, and that's definitely how I started building up momentum. I kind of, like a lot of people, started running out of my own money. And so you know, it was starting to get harder and harder to save up the next down payment for the next property. And that's when in 2015, 2016, I stumbled into the concept of burn investing. So that's the buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat strategy. And with that, that just allowed me to speed up the velocity of my investments. Now, student rentals are a little bit harder to burr. So I've really transitioned into small multifamily properties. So a lot of century homes here in London, Ontario, that have been chopped up into a duplex, triplex, fourplex. That's kind of my bread and butter. And now, actually, tomorrow, I'll be closing on a 17-unit building. So that's the largest you know, individual parcel I've got. So I'm trying to upgrade now to you know, medium-sized multifamily deals. Well, that's awesome, buddy. Congratulations. That's exciting stuff. Now, it must be kind of... I don't want to go too far on the tangent there with the doing the burr with you know, older homes like that. But there must be a ton of upgrading that, that has to happen for those kind of properties, I would think. Yeah, so it obviously it's very property specific, but it's not unusual for us to be, you know, upgrading the main stack or rewiring the apartments depending on the exact situation. When possible, obviously we try and keep it to basic renovations and lipstick and just like upgrading it to get the property to its best highest use, but often we're buying properties that have a lot of deferred maintenance. We're just factoring that into our business model and then Obviously, with old homes, you need to create a bigger buffer or margin for error just because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get when you open up those old plaster walls until you see behind them. Yeah, I would imagine so. Exciting stuff. I've got a couple of my clients that are doing something similar in, in different areas of Ontario. It seems like a very, very sharp strategy to do. So 
Yeah, hats off to you for that. Now, I think you're a pretty young guy, and I think you became financially free through real estate investing at a relatively young age. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about that journey? Absolutely. So, you know, in university, I discovered the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of people that was kind of the gateway drug to real estate investing for me. So once I read that book, nothing was ever the same since I started devouring information, started actually investing at 25. And then at the age of 31, quit my day job uh, working for a publicly traded pharmaceutical company and just went all into the real estate investing side of things. So at the start, I started off with those student rentals, very focused on cash flow because I wanted to replace my active income from my day job with a more passive source from cash flow from rental properties. So essentially, literally just buying a property a year for the first few years. And then once I had kind of got confident in myself and my ability to execute, started finding JV partners and really using other people's money, which allowed me to start scaling up my efforts and doing more deals in the same period of time. So what kind of a, if you don't mind sharing, what size of portfolio did you need to create, especially once you started working with JV partners in order to create that job replacement income? Yeah. So I'm in a unique position or at least a very favorable position. I'm a single guy right now, relatively young, living in Canada. So healthcare is free. So I really focused on what's called lean fire. And so fire stands for financial independence, retire early. Mm -hmm. And if I'm house hacking or living for free, you know, in one of my rental properties, my personal consumption is actually very low. I'm not a heavy consumer. I, in fact, try to be more of a producer, produce content and stuff like that rather than consume it these days. Mm -hmm. So I honestly needed about $1,000 to $1,500 a month plus living for free in order to like be able to be financially independent or stable. And again, that maybe won't work for everyone. But what I like to view it as, regardless of where you're at in your journey, build that financial fortress of solitude. Just get to the point where you're getting your bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And once you can free up your time, all of a sudden, like in my first year of real estate investing, I made more money in equity gains that year than I had in the past several years working in corporate finance and trying to climb the corporate ladder. So for me, it was more about like just getting to a point where I knew that I wasn't going to starve to death on the streets. And realistically, in Canada, we've got a great you know social system and support system there. So I was able to jump. I like to think of it as I jumped out of the plane without a parachute, but I had the instructions and I was able to build the parachute on the way down. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, that getting back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's the whole, that was one of my big takeaways from that book is what is rich? And rich is when your passive income exceeds your expenses, right? And if you play yeah. the cash flow game, which I'm sure you've played numerous, numerous times, right? Yeah. When people are just learning how they think, oh, I want to be the airline pilot or I want to be this. Really, being the janitor is probably the best gig going because it's the easiest one to get out of the rat race with, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's all about yeah. that, that, that concept, that fire idea. You know, you can, because I, I see a lot of times, you probably see this as well, people are saying, well, you know what? I want to create $10,000 a month in passive income or cash flow from my properties, then whatever will happen. Well, no, that's baloney, right? You don't, you don't need $10,000 a mm -hmm. month quit your job, right? You got to take a look at how can you minimize your expensive? What's the minimum you need to crack that nut to get out of your J-O-B, right? That's, that's 100% agree. Yeah. Awesome, Matt. So let's switch gears a little bit, buddy, because I'm fascinated about your 
I don't know, would we call YouTube? I guess YouTube's a social media platform. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm. you can see this gray. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. <laughs> I play around with this stuff, but you're the master of that. So tell me how that developed and what has that done for you as a real estate investor? Yeah, great question. A lot of real estate investors, I find, discount the value in social media, and I think they're doing themselves a great disservice. So the way I originally got into YouTube was... 2016, I quit my day job. And for the first six months, I was kind of aimless. You know, I technically didn't need to go do anything. So I was doing some real estate deals here and there. But at the same time, that was something I was able to do when I had a full time job as well. So I had a lot of free time. I've talked about it extensively on my YouTube channel, but I leaned into some of my vices and things like that and just like played way too many video games, drank way too much and just like killed a lot of time. And during those six months, I was trying to convince some of my friends to get into real estate so that they would quit their jobs. And then I'd have like people to play with. There you go. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a lot of like 30 year olds that are, you know, just out there with all the free time in the world. Right. And so I'd write these really long emails to my friends, like long emails, like five, 10,000 words long emails. And as you can likely imagine, not a single person responded to those emails. And so I was getting frustrated because I was like, man, like, can they not see I've quit my job and I'm not starving to death on the streets and here I'm trying to give them the blueprint and they just won't even take the time to read it. And at the time I was reading a book, I don't remember which one it was right now, but essentially it was saying something to the effect of talk to your audience in the language they want to be spoken to. And it immediately clicked for me. I was like, oh, the reason people love real estate is it's so visual, it's tactile, you can feel it, you can smell it, you can touch it, that sort of thing. So immediately I was like, oh, YouTube's the perfect medium for real estate investing. Started my YouTube channel, started just documenting and sharing my journey. And immediately it started resonating with a small group of people that's continued to grow. And now, you know, we're regularly getting five, 10,000 views a day on the YouTube channel. And I like to just think of, you know, what would like a lot of gurus or would be influencers pay just to get on a stage where they could talk for five, 10, 20 minutes to a group of five or 10,000 people. So to me, it's all about capturing that initial attention. I've became a huge fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. So he talks nonstop about the value and attention. And a lot of people are underplaying the value in content right now. And to me, it's a no brainer when I see major companies like Netflix and Amazon and Disney investing so much money into producing online content. And it just seems like a natural fit that as a real estate investor, I should be doing the same thing. And so originally my goal was simply to, you know, convince my buddies to get into real estate so they'd quit their jobs. But what ended up happening was a lot of people just started watching this and because they were watching my journey and I was just authentically sharing my story, they started buying into that. And so I started having lots of people reaching out to me, wanting to do JVs, wanting to lend me money, all kinds of various opportunities that I never otherwise would have had the chance to. To me, social media is just another form of networking, right? So I'm a huge believer in face-to-face networking. I try and go out to as many meetup groups and you know different REI groups just to meet everyone I can. But same time, I only have 24 hours in a day. So the fact that on a good day, there's you know 33 to 40 days worth of watch content on my channel, like I literally would be incapable of having that number of conversations. So it's just a one-to-many conversation that's really allowed me to get more attention, more exposure. Well, that's awesome. And I, also, it's a way for people to 
Have you found this? Because because I found this. I used to do a little weekly video thing, so nowhere near the content that that you do. But it seems like people really feel like they know you after yes. you bought, watched. So you meet people. I'm sure you this happens to you all the time. You go out to real estate clubs and you meet people, and they say, "Oh, I've seen your videos. I, it, it's like I know you." Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. It just it really speeds up my conversations. Now people can self-select and come talk to me only about the things I like to talk about because yeah. they're already familiar with kind of who and what I'm about. In addition, at the end of the day, I know my own story. So me telling my story a thousand times to people at networking events doesn't really help me. And yeah. like, sure, it informs them. But if they can already know my story, what's great is people come up to me and they're like, Matt, I love everything you're doing. You know, I love this, this and this. And I can immediately say, that's awesome. So you know a lot about my backstory. What's yours? Nice. And so they can immediately just start telling me their backstory, which is where honestly, there's going to be more value for me learning their backstory than me retelling my story for the thousandth time. So now I don't know about you. Would you consider yourself to be, I consider myself to be an introvert, actually. So at, at yeah. networking events and stuff like that, it's so much easier if you've got that, you know, somebody kind of knows a little bit about you ahead of time, because then, yeah, you can, you can do that and talk a lot more about them because they already know about you. Do you find the same kind of thing? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm your traditional INTJ on the Myers-Briggs test. So like an accountant kind of engineer like mindset. So not like being naturally gregarious or outgoing isn't something that I find that rewarding. But at the same time, if I'm talking about something I'm passionate about, you know, I love to talk about that and get into deep, meaningful conversations. And again, with social media, it often just speeds up the relationship I'm having with anyone where we can like skip the small talk or they already know that I'm not a small talk guy because they've watched my stories or my YouTube channel. And immediately we can start talking about real estate investing strategy or world politics or whatever it is, rather than talking about the weather or the Jays game. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, quick question for you. And I understand, you know, you're not a, I think you are a CPA. Is that correct? Yep. By, by trade. All right. So you're definitely a numbers guy, but with the caveat being you're, you're, probably not a lawyer or a securities expert and stuff like that. What is your take? Because it sounds like you've gotten JB partners, investor partners from your YouTube channel. What's your take on that and staying out of troubles with the, the securities commission? Just I'm Yeah. So one thing is that there's a lot of people that are doing it wrong. So I have a lawyer on retainer that I pass by a lot of things. So one of the things people think is that social media should just immediately be this great way to funnel tons of money to you. Mm -hmm. And that's not really appropriate because if your intentions is to solicit, then you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of securities law here in Canada, at least. Mm -hmm. So for myself, it's really just a way to inform people of what my story is. I'm never directly soliciting. I, in fact, like what's actually happened more often than not is it's someone that already knows me. So back when I bought those initial three student rental properties, I bought them with a partner back then. He kind of went down a different life path, started having a young family, things like that. And him and his wife decided that they were becoming a bit more risk adverse and didn't want to get into real estate investing. And so that was fine. I stopped buying real estate with him. And then a year after starting my YouTube channel, I find out his wife is actually a big fan. And all of a sudden, she's been watching kind of just silently, not commenting really or anything. And after a year of watching it, she kind of poked him and was like, hey, why don't we start doing this again? And so like from that, it really just reopened up an avenue. 
So Beautiful. it is really important. A lot of investors, I think, are on the wrong side of securities law when it comes to social media. Realistically, they're probably the odds of a lot of people getting in trouble is relatively low, but I think it is important that you really understand the ins and outs. At the end of the day, like everyone's an adult and needs to decide exactly on which side of the white or black line they want to be or if they want to be somewhere in the gray. For me, I'm really focused on building long-term legacy and a massive business. So that's why I've kept a lawyer on retainer just to make sure. So like there's been times where like I saw someone else post a story and I was like, oh man, I know if I posted that, I could raise like probably a million dollars like this. I send her that DM and she's like, absolutely not, Matt. That's soliciting. I'm like, true. <laughs> and so, you know, it is really important to understand the rules and laws. And so for me, I really try and stay on the right side of it. So I'm more focused just on educating people, informing them. And then if they decide to reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like we can start to build a relationship. And if we eventually find ourselves becoming friends, you know, and really building a deep relationship, then we can transition into, uh, you know, starting a real estate relationship. Right. Or if they already happen to be an accredited investor or something. Sure. Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. You because know, I, I agree. I see so many people going about it in a clumsy fashion and just kind of mm -hmm. blatantly saying, hey, you know, on Facebook, direct message me if, if yes. you're interested in my deal. I'm looking for investors. Here's, you know, it's just like, ah. And like at the same time, you know, social media has brought it more to the forefront where it's very obvious, but there's a lot of people that post, you know, to generic Facebook groups or even just send out like email blasts, right? And even those email blasts, like unless you could really show that those were only friends or family or credit to investors on that email list, again, you're technically going to be on the wrong side of the law. It'll probably take a while for regulators to really catch up, but I suspect if and when they do catch up, they're going to really want to clamp down on it and set examples. And I have no intentions of being one of those examples. Smart. Very, very smart. Matt, time flies when we're having fun, my friend. I really appreciate this. If people want to find out more about you, I know you've got the YouTube channel. How can they, do they just put your name in there? Or do you have a channel or what's it called? Yeah. So if you want to go to, you know, youtube.com slash Matt McKeever, or you can just Google me. Thankfully, there's not a lot of Matt McKeever. So I dominate that search term. Or you can just go to my website, www.mattmckeever.com. And actually on there, if you're in Ontario, Canada, we've got a free landlord starter kit. So it's just a little mini course trying to make people better landlords. Excellent. Very, very important. Matt, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Good, good getting to know you virtually via the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Tons of fun. Awesome. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.